Welcome, Red Sox fans. Here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a four-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays, splitting the series miraculously two games to two. They are currently still third place in the American League East, eight games behind the Tampa Bay Rays. Red Sox do have a two-game cushion over the Oakland A's for the second wildcard spot. So as of this day, we are still currently locked in lots of baseball left to go though quick disclaimer as always for any first time listeners this is not a homer podcast we call it how we see it when the red Sox are dominating we will celebrate that when they are getting destroyed we will be critical and at times savagely blunt if you are easily offended press the stop button immediately but for those who embrace it Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at Cushman MLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Joe Goddard. Joe? How are we doing, everybody? Uh, people can find me if they want to harass me at J-O-B-M-L-B. I feel like I'm the least controversial of the co-hosts as far as Twitter goes, so I don't get a lot of harassment. No job applications, please. Job, you are the clean-cut guy, but I have a theory on that. You're a solid decade under all of the rest of us. You're not jaded yet. You're going to, by the time you hit your 30s, like the rest of us, Trust me, you're, you're gonna. You're uh, you not, know, you're not I'm gonna be to the keep same it off person. Social media. <laughs> yeah. I just try to keep it off social media. That there's plenty of energy comes out, especially on the show. Keep the negativity off social media. That stuff sticks with you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I am the social media generation. Yeah, I don't know what I am. I mean, I grew up on Yahoo Messenger, AOL Instant Messenger. I don't know if you are familiar with those archaic. Uh, AOL is uh is what we call a relic. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, well, that's uh, those those weren't even apps back then, but they're what we used. So, so yes, Charlie is kind of on the in between, and he is with us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, coming off the bench for Andrew Dwan, who has an undisclosed. No, just kidding. Uh, family ob- obligations, <laughs> and uh, so Andrew will be back with us next week. But Charlie, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I was super pumped after last night. I wanted to call you and Jason on three-way. I was so excited for that one. Uh, The hate has been rich. The love has been real. Smith underscore MLB. Twitter, I swear, like every every day is a a whole new conversation with a, a couple new followers. And then, of course, the regulars. Love it. Keep it coming. It's been a blast. I was super pumped to split the series. 
You sounded way too happy to use the term three-way right there, Charlie. I'm just going to leave it out there. <laughs> hey, man, it, it, I, I'm, n no, no problem with three-ways now. Come on. Now, no, uh, not at all. I'm very excited to have you. You know, I, I love when you work the midweek show. I love working with Andrew, too, but it's always good to get on the show with you. I very rarely ever get to work with uh, Jason, but it's always good to see a new face. Uh, someone positive, but not as positive as Andrew can sometimes be refreshing. Um, usually, usually when you and I work together, it's a serious loss. It's like crisis mode. We have to talk about how bad this team is. That's not what's going on right now. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I completely, uh, I completely agree. It's nice to change it up every once in a while. Um, but I was, I feel like I was the only one that was not too pessimistic on that that series call of of the sweep. I said Chris Sale was going to win his game. And he was going to do his job, and he did his job. It was the first time he had a legit, difficult contender to face. So I was pumped. It was the first non-last place team he faced. He had yes, three. Sir. He had three cupcakes in a row, and uh, he's very skinny, so cupcakes are good for him. But uh, it was nice to see. We'll be getting to, into plenty of Chris Sale. So, four-game set Monday. That was an ugly loss. Nick Pavetta on the mound. Red Sox lose that one, 6-1. to one. Game two on Tuesday. Red Sox lose that one, 8-5, to five, with Brad Peacock coming from literally out of nowhere to start that game. Not on the roster or the team. Uh, I think, like, even 24 hours before that. So... Wednesday, Red Sox finally turn it around, win that game 3-2. to two, Chris Sale on the mound. And then Thursday, pulled off an improbable series split by winning this game in the, in the finale 4 to nothing. Eduardo Rodriguez got the start. We'll be getting into some of these guys in a bit, but... The real impressive thing here, we've got eight guys on the COVID list. And on Monday and Tuesday, they were dropping like flies. Bing, 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 onto the COVID list. Got a bunch of replacement players up. We'll be getting into some of them. And it's like, when was it going to end? And finally, today on Thursday, no new COVID cases. So hopefully that's done and over with. But... Apparently, these guys are kept as far away from the team as possible. Rumor has it they are quarantining on the planet of Mars. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls 
Well, thank you. Well done, Charlie. So, all right. The three most negative hosts. I think Jason gets to come into that group now because he's been he's been kind of railing, and rightfully so, on the Red Sox. Although, th- isn't this probably... This is the... We didn't win the series, but it's the fourth in a row, maybe, that we didn't lose, at least. Something like that. Detroit. Detroit, I think, is the last time that we lost the series. Was it? Okay. I was, it was either that or when Tampa swept us because we didn't play them too long ago. But as, uh, as far as as far as lost series, we lost the Yankees three set. Was that and the then most it was? Recent? Yeah. So we okay. had the Yankees three in a row. We took two out of three against Texas. One was postponed. Okay. Two out of three against. Yeah. So it's been two out of three, two out of three, and then the split of Tampa Bay. We've been doing okay. Yeah. So it was the Yankees most recently. I, I get my I get my sweeps mixed up, but. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe September will be a better month. So we'll call this a series win and start on the stud side of things, even though it's technically a split. Cause it feels like a win quite frankly. So we will start on that side. Job, your stud for the series. I can't believe I'm doing this two days ago, September 1st, I was ready to write this team off. And get ready for the off season. My stud is also somebody I never thought would ever be a stud on this show ever. And that's Garrett Richards. Three innings, one hit today, no runs, and the save. He was fantastic. He threw a lot of pitches. He knew what we needed from him. He got nine outs. He might be the exact opposite of what the Red Sox did when they tried to convert other guys from being starters to relievers. I'm thinking specifically of a a gentleman in Colorado right now who took eight years to get back to the big leagues, right? I mean, they tried to convert him to a starting pitcher, and they ruined him. Daniel Bard. He's doing the exact opposite. Daniel Bard. And they're they're literally doing the exact opposite here. This is like Papelbon-level transformation. Uh, over the last two weeks from Garrett Richards, and he's been the most important piece in in the bullpen for the last two or three weeks. Go ahead, Charlie. Say some nice things about Richards. I love this. (laughs) I'm so excited for this. So every single time I hear his name, I panic. I get nervous. I get annoyed. get flustered. And here I was saying, this is my dud of the year. And I think the only person that can possibly laugh at me right now is him. But I will say this much. Terry and I did talk about this. Whether there was uh, something in the air or something placed into our drinks. We did talk about how Garrett Richards, as a reliever, has been doing really stellar. He's been doing spectacular work as a reliever. As a starter, I want no part. As a reliever, though, he's now shown us through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven appearances, he's allowed one run. His ERA continues to drop. He's willing to go the distance. He's willing to go two, three innings and be that long reliever. I'm completely okay with the fact that he's your stud. Three weeks ago, we would have been having words. 
negative words. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. I think the last three weeks he's been a very important piece on this team. And another thing, people forget Gary Richards is on a one-year $10 million deal. With an option. He With an option, but it's going to get declined. Like If they pick up that option, it will be one of the worst decisions they make as a ball club this year. So he is probably, and because it's a team option, it's out of his control. He is pitching for a job next season. And right now in the bullpen, he's making a case to be somebody's high leverage three-inning guy. Like, do so, you need a six, seven, eight? Like, he can give it to you. I think he could be utilized in literally any bullpen role. You can make a case yes. for anything right now. His last start, let me get back to it here. His last start was August 8th. He gave up three earned runs that start. As Charlie said in his last, counting tonight, seven appearances, has only given up one earned run as a reliever in the Red Sox bullpen. That's a 0.69 earned run average. Okay, that's impressive. I, I don't have his numbers in front of me, Terry, but if I'm not mistaken, he's only allowed two inherited runners to score as well. Oh, has so he? When okay. you think about that, over the course of seven starts... He inherited runners on second, uh, first and second uh, three times where he hasn't pitched in a clean inning. So that's six runners, and he's allowed two to score. So that's pretty good hold percentage as well. But if you give him a clean inning, he's been dominant. I'm a big fan of the clean inning on a lot of guys. Brazier was always one. I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get a, a look at him, but maybe that's a good thing because you, your bullpen's that much more rested. Oh, Let me I think that's coming. Let me say I, I this. Coming. Let me say this about Garrett Richards' option. Gun to my head right now, metaphorical gun to my head, in case, you know, we have some sensitive listeners. Um, I would say the option doesn't necessarily get picked up. Okay, next year. However, however, the person loving this transformation of Garrett Richards the most right now is Hein Bloom because it's no doubt ju- it's justification. It's 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 face saving for Hein Bloom. And well, we'll, we'll talk about Hein Bloom and, and his decision making in the next episode. For we sure. are we're but definitely think... going to. But I, what I'm saying is I'm not ruling out anything. I think I think he's a big Garrett Richards fan, and this role came out of nowhere. And I wouldn't rule out a return in in 2022. So now, I just question then, Charlie. I have a question for you specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If Garrett Richards is brought back next season on his option, which is ten million dollars, mm-hmm. right, and he transfers into the Garrett Whitlock role, and Whitlock is in the starting rotation, how do you feel about that? I don't feel good about that for ten million. We just dumped, donated seven and a half million to Matt Barnes. I want to share this bit as well. As a reliever, Garrett Richards. Nothing to my head, because I know we may have some some. Folks I'm doing it, are... Charlie. I'm doing it. Yeah. Okay. He's he's got it. The, the <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, weapon. Yeah. Metaphorical. Metaphorical. We don't. Thirteen and one third innings pitched. Thirteen and one third innings pitched. One earned run against Texas. 0.68 ERA. He threw three innings, allowed four hits, four strikeouts against against Baltimore. I was like, wow, awesome, an anomaly. 
great. The following game, four innings, no hits, five Ks against the Yankees. And then I said, okay, you have my attention. That's two, that's two in a row. Seven innings, four hits, nine strikeouts, a walk. And he's continued to build and build and build. After that, three and a third, a run on three hits. Okay, whatever. Then he comes out three innings and does this against Tampa Bay, another team in the division. Am I okay with the Red Sox donating $10 million to Garrett Richards? If he becomes the best reliever in all of baseball next year, sure. Is that going to happen? No. $10 million? No. No. Well, now, here's the thing, right? You're paying that amount of salary. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe we're paying Adam Ottavino close to eight. I was right? going mean, to— Garrett Richards is making eight and a half this year. Going to make that exact point. That's a, good, that's a good one, Job. So you would essentially be replacing Ottavino's money by simply bringing Richards back. And who would exactly, you— Exactly, because Ottavino's a free agent. And who would you have more faith in at this point? Just on a whim, who who, who do you trust the most right now? 36-year-old Ottavino, as he will be next year, or or Garrett Richards with a freshly rebuilt arm to serve a high-leverage role in your pen? I, I hate to go for it here. I hate to say this, but I'm going with Garrett Richards. And the reason being is I think Ottavino relies so much on his fastball to make his slider effective. Like, the slider's his out pitch, and the slider is nasty. But similar to Sally Mora, if he can't get a pitch in the zone, no one's going to swing at the slider. So if suddenly his fastball next year drops from 96 to 93, well, then there's a serious problem. And he's 36 years old. It could happen at any moment. I would be very comfortable with Richards in that role. And it's just one thing to to consider. And if Bloom picks up his option, we're going to know it right away. It's not going to be this long hot stove season mystery. He has to pick that option up within the first couple of weeks of free agency, whenever the deadline is. So I wouldn't be surprised if he picks that option up because it's a movable contract. True. Like That's how yeah. I would look at it. It's a contract that if you pick that option up, you can move on from him at the deadline. You could probably move him as soon as the new CBA comes through, hopefully in March. $8 million is, is not a lot of money for a high-leverage reliever. So if he pitches well down the stretch here, and then you can build up you know, some of that hype in, say, April and May, he might be a valuable trade piece come you know, June or July if they're not in contention. If they're in contention, then you need his arm. You need somebody who can pitch innings in the bullpen. And in a contending year, I've never seen trading strength like that. So he would he would never. be here unless he's bad. But but I, it's just it's been a revelation. I think we can all agree on that. And I think this month we're early. This is September second. There's a month and a day left, you know, through October third. So I think that could tell the the story on what the possibilities are. Well, I think he's earned high-leverage opportunities. So we'll see kind of where they go with that. We don't have a lot of guys right now who have the ability to pitch multiple innings. We also don't have a lot of guys that are fresh. Like Our bullpen has been used so much since June that they've fallen off a cliff. If you can pitch Garrett Richards more frequently because he's been stretched out as a starter, and instead of going Salimura, Taylor, Brazier... Ottavino Barnes because you need to get four and a half innings. You can just go Richards to Barnes. 
or Richards to Ottavino, you're in much better shape. It's like having another starter, essentially, and you're doing what the Rays are doing, and you're piecing it together. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so great Richards discussion. Probably won't be the last. Charlie, stud for the series. My stud, that starter, Chris Sale, came in, did his job, allowed two earned, six innings of work, first start, hitting the quality start stat, uh, did his job. What I was most impressed with was his ability to get out of jams and get out of innings, not once, not twice, but three times. And I think that's a stat that we don't really talk about too much, but three double play balls really saved him. Um, could it have gotten a little hairy, a little gnarly? Possibly. There's a chance that maybe we don't win that game if he doesn't have those ground-inducing double plays. Um, I'm super happy about the fact that he's here. The Red Sox are 4-0 in games that he starts. The Red Sox will continue to win games that Chris Sale starts. And I was on the record saying that Chris Sale would win his game, and he should have won his game if he had gotten a little bit more offense. This is the guy that needed to come back in order for the Red Sox to have a chance at making the playoffs. Sale doesn't come back. We're tied with the Oakland A's right now. I think we, we're, we're two games difference. If he doesn't pay, uh, play uh, against Tampa Bay and he doesn't make one of those starts against Tampa, uh, sorry, Baltimore, Texas, or Minnesota, I think we lose two of those four. And I think we're smack dab tied with Oakland right now. So Chris Sale is saving the Red Sox. He is making this... Um, he's given this team a chance to continue playing in uh, in October. So, Sale, my stud. I think Chris Sale is the most important thing that's happened to the 2021 Red Sox. I don't think that it's been his on-the-field work over the last four starts. He's my, you know, my stud over the last month. The reason, these guys show up with a, the belief that they can win when he's on the hill. 13 runs, 16 runs, 8 runs, and I don't know how many runs they put up for him this week. I have no idea. What I do know is that he's been the stopgap. He's been the vocal leader in the clubhouse. He didn't have his best stuff this week against Tampa. In fact, he only had two strikeouts. He had a hit batsman in the, in the first inning. He gave crazy props to his defense. He made the defense behind him look really good by giving them some nice, easy ground balls. But he was on top of it. He thanked Arauz. He thanked Jack Lopez. He thanked a couple of other players, Bobby Dahlbeck, for example, for showing up for him and talked about how there's fight left in this team. Don't give up on us yet. We are a good baseball team. Right now, he's the only reason that there's hope. So no, do I don't think he, that we're tied with the Oakland A's if he's not you know, in this rotation. The morale of this team after the deadline was in, in shambles. And if Chris Sale doesn't come back and give you four great starts, I think you're two and a half games out of the wild card, and we're talking about how we should have sold pieces at the deadline and how Heim Bloom screwed us out of an August and September of watching meaningful baseball. So I think Chris Sale's been phenomenal, and it's not just been his on-the-field stuff. His presence has been huge 
just knowing he's going to go every fifth day, I, I think the day before it gives the team energy because they're like, all right, man, let's just get through this game. We got Chris Sale tomorrow. And I think that's absolutely huge. Now, Joe, you mentioned for some reason they, they play for Sale. For some reason, everybody's on their game when Chris Sale's on the mound. I thought about that earlier myself, and I was kind of thinking back to some – top of the rotation Red Sox pitchers of of years past, World Series years past, maybe specifically. And I remember John Lackey multiple times, at least three or four times, I'd see him chewing out a guy who made an error on the mound. He'd, He'd be like, catch the bleeping ball or whatever. And I think Chris Sale, maybe he's not that aggressive with his teammates, but they know. They know they let they know they let their ace down when that happens. Do you think they feel the same way when they commit an error on Nick Pavetta? Is Nick Pavetta gonna thump his chest and be like, "Get it together"? Nick Pavetta doesn't have the the pedigree in this league to say "get it together" because he's gonna say "get it together" on an error and then give up a three run home run. He just doesn't so, command the respect that that Chris not, Sale does. Not does he not command the respect, but he doesn't get guys to the best of their potential. And the reason being is no one wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, Nick Pavetta's our starter, we're going to win today. Like that level of confidence and, and knowing that no matter what you do, your starting pitcher is going to keep you in the game takes a lot of pressure off the team. Right. Like they put pressure on themselves to compete for Chris Sale because they know he might not show you out on the field, but you get in that dugout, it's an awfully cold place to be if you make an error with Chris Sale on the mound. That's true. It's hard. You can't really escape his uh, presence when you're when you're all in and the I, same small I, space. I think the one thing that we've missed this season has been vocal leadership from this team. And everyone praises Alex Cora for his cool, steady hand at the helm here. Chris Sale is the leader of this team. Like, there, it's not Xander Bogarts. It's not obviously Alex Verdugo or Hunter Renfro or any of these new guys. And it's not even Rafael Devers. He's still young. The leader of this team is Chris Sale. He comes back, and all of a sudden, everybody wakes up. He's like, we got a chance here. With Before Chris Sale came back, this team was done. Like he's He really is the last hope for the Red Sox, is if Chris Sale could be Chris Sale. And guess what? He's going to be four straight starts where he's Chris Sale of old. Yeah, well, oh, geez, Job. I was just going to say, where were you last Sunday? Because I was the only one tooting the Chris Sale train, Chris Sale horn. <laughs> you know, I, I'm always on the Chris Sale train. I just, I didn't know that with the pitch count limits they were giving him, if he could be the guy. Sure, I get that. But, but in this game, he was the guy. So here's the thing. Chris Sale, he's the fiery one out of the bunch. I don't think Xander Bogarts is the face of this team anymore after his outlandish kind of inappropriate comments that he made during the year. I See, I, you, I don't even know if that's where you lose him, though. Like, oh, that's just right. not that's the... right. I turned off from Xander Bogarts. Let me finish. Uh, I turned off from Xander Bogarts as soon as he made those comments. Completely inappropriate, completely unnecessary, completely unprofessional. That's not the shit you do during the season. Your team's trying to fight. And you're making it about you. It is not about you during the season. It is about you during the offseason. That is your moment to shine. Chris Sale, as soon as he came back, yes, you've hit you've hit on a lot of points. 
I think it's incredibly important that he came back when he did. If Chris Sale does not come back, there's absolutely no way, unequivocal chance that we make the playoffs in any way, shape, or form. We're watching teams make it. The Yankees are above us. The, Tor the Toronto Blue Jays uh, eventually get above us. Tampa Bay has been waving at us for years, and they're going to continue to wave at us. Well, guys, we got swept twice since Chris Sale's been back. We got swept by New York. We got swept by Tampa. He was very protected. Neither time did he pitch. Exactly, and that's what I'm getting at. We don't get swept when he pitches. Like, he's a stopper. He was protected, though, is what I'm getting at. He was he was lined up so he wouldn't have to pitch in those series. That's why his start against Tampa was, was huge for me. And it wasn't pretty to start with because in the first two innings, he had runners on first and second with nobody out in inning number one, inning number two runners on first and second. And he got out of them. He got out of them with some double plays. And I think there was another double play later on in the game, but it was an important box to check off that he could, he could pitch against a first place team and hold his own. And it wasn't pretty, but he did it. And he managed to go one inning longer than he had in his previous other three starts. So those are important boxes to check off. I the, the one thing still missing, the one box we can't fully check off yet, is he hasn't had that 10 strikeout game. He hasn't gone out there and just really been super dominant. And that's what I want to see. We did catch a glimpse of it at the end. Remember, he didn't get that call. I think it was in the fifth inning. And he was so mad when Vasquez threw the ball back. He threw, he caught it barehanded and he just kind of, I don't know. He, he was just kind of, you could tell he was all, he was all amped up and he got a quick uh, contact out after that to end the inning. So I want to well, think we started seeing it last year's. Like, think about it, right? He gave up the home run against uh, the Twins, and he was pissed. And what did he do? He went out there and hit 98 on the gun. And he goes out in the interview post game, and he's like, yeah, I, I made a mistake, and the reason I hit 98 is it's what I call an F.U. fastball. He's like, I can't say it on the air, but that's an F.U. fastball. <laughs> and that's like, that's to me, true. that's like, there's the competitive nature that we need. This is the guy. And he went out against Tampa without great stuff, and made it work. And that was, in my mind, like I was ready to put the nail in the coffin of the 2021 Boston Red Sox if we lost that game. Because if we lose that game, we get swept by these Rays. Then all of a sudden, we're tied with Oakland. We're on a skid. Everybody's got COVID. We're in real trouble here. And we have a tough schedule. We have White Sox coming up. We'll talk about that in the next show for sure. But... We needed that win. That was almost like a playoff game to me. And Chris Sale showed up bigger than he's shown up all season. And it was probably the biggest game he's pitched since the 2018 World Series. Yeah, and the schedule is going to be tough. He he won't be pitching in the White Sox series. I don't think he'll get game one against Seattle in Seattle on Monday. Oh, that's gross. That's a 10-something start. Luckily, Wednesday. Ew. Wednesday, though, which is when we'll record on the series finale, is a 4.10 p.m. So that uh, saves some headaches there. Um, but, yeah, so I just want to see I just want to see the, the, the FU fastballs and the, the amped-up Chris Hill. I just want to see it translate into the box score with a 9 or 10 strikeout game and another – solid six if, if he goes seven that would be great but I, I don't know if they're really going to push him 
um, unless it's it's a must-win game and the and the season's on the line type situation as far as the seventh inning goes. But but still undefeated and. This is good. We need to see him get a second out pitch. He needs another out pitch. It used to be the fastball up and away. He he doesn't really command that very well. It's not always a strike. So if they can just find one other pitch other than a slider down and in, then... See, I think he still has that pitch, that, that fastball. He In fact, he threw it one time in this game against the Rays, and Manuel Margot just beat him to the spot. Or rather, um, Wander Franco. Just beat him to the spot and, and took it over the wall for a two-run shot. And they ask him about it after the game, and he's like, no, that's exactly where I wanted that pitch. Like, that's a perfect pitch. That was just also perfect perfect hitting by one of these young, you know, young great players. And that's one you can really get over quickly because it wasn't a mistake. I didn't hang the ball. I didn't throw, a, you know, a spinner up there. He just beat me on my best against his best. I think he could still locate it. Well, I it, just think that it's getting it's getting hit. It, it hasn't been it just hasn't been a big factor so far and it, and he he wasn't getting many swings on it in 2019 his last semi healthy year up until the very end and you know because he, it was it was hardly ever a strike so the league started swinging at it you started seeing him pitching deeper into counts there was a lot of full counts David Price had problems that year as well um and just so hopefully hopefully they'll they'll get a handle on it but let's get into some honorable mentions Kyle Schwarber 5 for 16 uh good series for him Rafael Devers uh 4 for 17 got slapped in the face at least once by Carlos Feebles tonight uh that was a little weird but um uh, JD Martinez 5 for 17 Alex Verdugo, 4 for 12. Dahlbeck, 4 for 11. Actually had continued his momentum uh, against a really good pitching staff. Vasquez, 4 for 15. Renfro, 4 for 15. Coming back uh, from the bereavement list. And uh, any and other... Duran, who was not you know great, didn't have great statistical numbers, but he had the one hit that mattered. Hit the go-ahead. In, in game three. Yeah, hit the go-ahead in game three. So, yeah, that, that was his only hit, but it, it was a very meaningful one. Uh, and then, so uh, thoughts on the offense there that I just mentioned. It looks like Schwarber's on-base streak has continued. Yeah, it's, it must be in the 30s by now. <laughs> I, I was uh, going to let Charlie Charm in there, but I don't know if he's yeah. if he can hear us or not. He might be on mute. Yeah, no. So Schwarber is going to be one of those players that I think for the rest of his tenure in Boston is going to have a massive amount of weight on his shoulders because this was the sole big guy uh, that the <laughs> Sox ownership team decided to pick up and add. We had the opportunity to add a couple other pieces, and we got – relievers as Jason calls them Hansel and Gretel not really slaying it and uh when we got Schwarber Schwarber wasn't available so as long as he can still continue to get on base the occasional home run I'll be super content I feel like his ability to get on base with these singles and walks though is just silly yeah um it's just it's become almost an expectation 
if you see three at bats, I'm not expecting a single or a double. I'm actually expecting a walk more than anything else. He has incredible plate vision. He knows what he likes. He knows what his pitches are. And he's okay not swinging at garbage. It's it's it, very impressive. I'm very impressed with what he's been able to do so far in Boston. I agree with that. I think his plate recognition is 2018 J.D. Martinez level at, at this point. He's not swinging at anything outside the zone. He's looked bad on maybe two swings since he's come to Boston. And it's the bat in the middle of the lineup that makes everybody around him better. He's going to get criticism, and he's going to have expectations set higher on him than on any other player on the roster for the remainder of his tenure here because for those first two weeks he was out with the hamstring. And so his value is diminished a little bit. And the fact that they were up two games in the division when they traded for him, and by the time he played his first game, they were down four games, that sits that sits with a lot of people for a long time if we if we don't make the playoffs here. So, so I think... Go, go ahead. Sorry, now I'll let you finish. So I, I think that he needs to continue to produce at this level, but I'm, I'm fully expecting him to continue because if you're not swinging at balls outside the zone and you're in 2-1, 3-1 counts, you're going to get pitches to hit. Agreed. Um, Kyle Schwarber, prior to tonight's action, was hitting 339, or I think a little bit less than that, because um, he went two for five, so 400 for the day, raises batting average. He's almost hitting 100 batting average points higher as a member of the Red Sox. He's walked half as many times as he did in, in his time at Washington, which is four times the games, more than that. He's getting on base, doing what he needs to do, on-base percentages through the roof. His OPS is over 1,000 as a member of the Red Sox. Um, I was nervous, but I wanted to remain patient. I'm also not stupid. Kyle Schorber had 16 home runs of those 25 in Washington in one month. So the question then became, was he going to be able to replicate that, that level of production? Because 16 home runs, I think 24 hits in the month, Two-thirds were homers. Um, so I want to remain patient with him. As I've said for a lot of other players, there are certain people that I think have earned the right to have a little bit of a longer leash. There are others that have burned that bridge, and there are some that have kind of regained that right to have a little bit of leash, Garrett Richards being one of them. Um, I have nothing bad to say about Schwarby. Because I feel like in 16 at-bats, you're probably going to see three walks, maybe four, maybe two, three hits, maybe a home run, a double, single. Not going to see any stolen bases. I'll be shocked if he steals. Um, but he's doing all the things he needs to do to get on base and help the team win. So I have a conspiracy theory about Kyle Schwarber, and I'm saving it for the second episode. I'm just giving you guys a little tease here. But next episode, I've got a conspiracy theory about why Kyle Schwarber's on this team. And what's going to happen moving forward? You know, I've got something to bring up, and I'm wondering if it's the same thing. So I guess I'll find out. I'll, I'll let you uh, go for it before I raise mine. Can't wait to listen to I, it. I'm hoping they're different, though, because it obviously just adds layers to the show. Oh, sure. I'm hoping there's different opinions on this. But yeah. I, I just I have a theory, and it, it ties into my entire take on the next episode. So I want to leave it for deep dives. The people who are listening to this show will get it 24 hours after this, but I'm super excited to get into it. Just to further tease the audience, just yes or no on this, yes or no, does the does it pertain very specifically to 2022 or no? 
Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> We're going to give the same take, I think. But um, so I'm just to add to Schwarber, I think you guys did a great job. I'm not going to get too into it, but I, I didn't think I would, I would love it as much as I do. But he's been phenomenal, and it's just been too bad. We've had the COVID things. We've had the bullpen woes for, for a while. So, but I, I'm i just I'm just saying I really, I, I like watching his at-bats. His plate discipline is just phenomenal. It's the best on the team, quite frankly. And he's a good player. And uh, well, he's a he's a good steadying presence in the middle of that lineup. He makes Rafael Devers swinging out of his shoes look that much worse, but also that much more tolerable because right. Rafi can play with a little bit more kind of freeness. You know, he doesn't have to be as focused and locked in about making sure he's taking walks if Kyle Schwarber's on base in front of him. He's going to get better pitches to hit, uh, things like that. So I just think he makes the entire lineup better. And Anthony Rizzo was the big fish, and he, unfortunately for him, got COVID and had a rough return, but he has turned it up uh, in the last several games, has hits in uh, five of his last six with, uh, you know, getting on base. So he's heating up, but at this point, I'm, I'm glad we got Schwarber. I'm willing to ride or die for the rest of the season. We'll we'll get into some playoff scenarios in the next show. So, all right. Uh, some pitchers of note. We won't spend too much time on most of them. Garrett Whitlock, two innings of relief uh, coming out after Chris Sale. A little surprised Ottavino stayed in there with Whitlock cruising, but uh, Ottavino was brought in to close and looked very good. Probably his best appearance in a while. Got two strikeouts in the inning. Didn't give up a hit or a walk, so very clean inning, and, and Ottavino looked very good. And my concern for Ottavino was he was getting hammered on uh, recently by specifically teams within the division, so I thought maybe... They've had too many looks at him, and they're just they've caught up to him. The book is out, but that was a good performance. So he was warming up in the pen tonight. But one thing I forgot to say with Richards earlier, I was thinking to myself, why bring Ottavino in when you can? Richards is cruising. You can just save Ottavino for tomorrow and just get through the game with two pitchers. And luckily, that's that is how it played out. So um, I mean, that's with the arms that we have available, you kind of have to stick with as few pitchers as possible. Exactly. Right. I mean, we Agreed. don't have anybody in the bullpen. Agreed. Uh, earlier this year, I talked about how the Red Sox, you know, we're, we're doing so well by using pitchers so efficiently and so effectively and so almost regularly, which was the problem. We were the third and then it slipped to like seventh most taxed bullpen in Major League Baseball earlier this season. Why? Because our starters could not start. They could go four-plus innings, 100 pitches, and then you'd have to throw Whitlock in there. You'd have to throw Ottavino in there on regular, consistent nights. Ottavino was pitching three out of four games. Barnes was pitching two out of three, three out of four. Josh Taylor was getting the... the um, the same treatment. Darwin's internet is, and you could tell, you could see. It's like watching a president's hair color go from black to white in four years, but you're seeing it in the abridged version of two months. Your bullpen was getting taxed. You need two long relievers if your starters can't give you quality. 
and and Whitlock at that point was not yet ready to go more than once every five days, right? So at that point, you didn't have a long reliever that you could rely on. Yeah, you're no one to trust. Every third day, he was. Now now we can pitch every third day, right? It changes things. Two two plus innings, yeah, absolutely. One I last. Think we're doing a disservice to everybody else if we don't touch on Eduardo. Rodriguez. I was just I bringing it up. Your... Right, yeah, well, I was. Just, it's probably one of his better starts of the year. Six innings pitched, four hits, no earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts, which is kind of par for the course. Uh, you know, for a, a good Rodriguez start, he's usually around six strikeouts. So. He said it was his best start of the year. The velocity was a little up. The the changeup was murderous and um, impressive. You you needed that from Rodriguez. Did I was I the only one who saw him touch ninety six on the gun and my jaw dropped? I don't think we've seen ninety six from him since like twenty seventeen. Or like it's yeah, been a while. at least twenty nineteen anyway, right? Yeah, that that was that was a good start. I don't know if we lost Charlie or not. We we may have lost Charlie, but just because I know that this is what Charlie wanted to talk about. Oh, he's back. <laughs> okay. All right, Charlie, there do you have any thoughts on Eduardo Rodriguez today? Um, I was super happy to watch. So I ended up going out to dinner with a friend, uh, and ended up watching this game. And it was funny because we're talking about life and work and everything. And I happened to watch. Uh, it wasn't Mills. I forget who it was that he was pitching to, but he got a strike call for a pitch that was way outside. Uh, yep. And then he ended up getting a strikeout on strike two because it should have been a, a walk. Mills or Malls, I forget his name. I have to look it up. But um, it was just... Um, With the fastball, correct? Walls, Walls, yeah, just blew it by. Walls yep. was the guy who struck out. Um, I was really impressed with the fact that Erod was able to get quick outs right away, right from the get-go. Um, I mean, first pitch, one out. It was little things like that where little things are going, little things are working, um, and was able to go through the you know the lineup the first the first couple innings just bring them up, sit them down, and if there's there was a double play opportunity, um, there was a lot of good that happened in this game. Um, I'm always I'm always happy when he does well, but I'm never I'm never shocked if he does poorly. So um, I'm happy he did well. It, the fact that this is a division opponent, uh, none of us thought he was going to win this game, uh, and especially given who he was facing. Um, Res, it, it wasn't Rasmussen. It was uh, McClanahan, who's their guy. And um, I thought McClanahan was going to absolutely work us. I mean, Terry and I both thought, like, this kid just lights out. He's just going to dominate us. And we ended up having his number today. That's it. We were able to get a little bit of a, a little bit of run support for him early on, and that's what I'm saying. Like you need to give Erod four to five runs, and that's what we did. One thing to note here, and I, Jason, and I, uh, not accurately, unaccurately. What's the word for that? I don't know. We picked this to be a sweep for the Rays. One of my concerns for Rodriguez was that in the trop, he has a career. 5.06 ERA, not his best ballpark, probably his worst. And so for him to go in there, kind of put the team on his back, have a strong performance, I like that. And even after a bad Erod performance, and we've seen some bad ones, and we've seen some bad ones recently, I'm still going to take Erod 
over other guys, one of which we'll get to in a second. Well, uh, when Erod is on, he's he's dynamic, he's commanding of the zone, and he gets ground ball outs. But it's he, almost like when he makes mistakes, it's because he's trying to be too perfect. Like he's he's trying to dot it instead of just commanding it and attacking the zone. Instead of saying, "Okay, I want a ground ball here," he's thinking, "Okay, I want a strikeout," and he doesn't have that kind of stuff. So that's when he gets in trouble. Better than anyone else, though. He can he can go from really really bad to great in his next start. So that's why I'm always gonna I'm always gonna give it to him over some other options. You know that specifically in a playoff situation where we're are you just, comfortable giving him the ball in a game one like right now? Oh, game one, I would hope not. Just but. just su- suggested, right? So let's say or game two. Okay, so game two, whether you lose game one or not. Right, Chris Sale pitches the wild card. Evaldi pitches game one. You now have Erod in game two. Are are you happy with that, or are you nervous about game two? I think that's probably the best possible option, really. If if you have to use the guys in that order, like you just mapped out, I, I think Erod is your your game two starter. Well, so you know the Rays have lost Glass now, obviously for the season. Uh, so he would normally be their number one, right? Their number two is McClanahan, who pitched tonight. So it would be McClanahan and Navaldi, and then Rasmussen, who mowed us down last night, would be the guy to pitch up against Erod. I'd be pretty comfortable with that. What do you think, Charlie? Uh, if you're if you're going ace for ace, I don't have an issue with it. I mean, if if McClanahan's going up against anyone other than Sale, I think he's got to win. Um, just. That's how confident I feel about him. Um, Rasmussen, that's like a 50-50 game. Because, no, again, no one thought that this was going to go the Red Sox way. I myself did not call this one. The only one I called was Chris Hill. I thought Rasmussen was also going to get the dub. Um, so I think if you had to roll the dice ten times, I think it would fall five times one way, five the other. Rasmussen against anyone but sale it's probably falling nine times for him this just happened to be the one time it didn't go his way i i think if you have to see these two pitchers face off against each other you'd be foolish to pick uh erod over um over rasmussen you'd be foolish to you'd be definitely foolish to pick erod over mcclanahan these guys are just they're locked on they're locked on the, I think I would do that, but we'll we'll move on from that here. Terry, what were you wanting to say? Well, I, before we move to the duds, because we're we're running late, um, I just want to say the book on Rasmussen to me is just foul off pitches, get that count up really quick, because he doesn't seem to be trusted by Kevin Cash after the second time through. He's out of there. He's like, very very similar to Tanner Houck in, in that respect. After about seventy five pitches. It looks like Kevin Cash is looking to give him the hook. Yeah. But those 75 pitches are some of the the nastiest pitches you're going to face all season. He's tough to hit. He certainly was. So Rasmussen was a he wasn't a starter though. Like that's the other thing too. Before he actually ended up getting traded, this kid wasn't a starter. He was a reliever. So tail, star- tail of the Tampa Bay Rays though. Like that's what they do. Well, yeah, but it's only been a couple of months. So I still think they're trying to stretch him out because this is a guy who was going out and doing one inning, two innings, and he was basically given free reign. 
do whatever you need to do. Make sure you get two innings of workout. So he'd throw 40, 50 pitches. I'm not surprised that he's already getting cracked at four, four plus. I'm not surprised at all. I don't think he's gone farther than five innings in a game this year. I'm looking at his his line, and that's that. That's it. The most, the longest he's gone in one game this year is five innings. The last four appearances, you've had a four, 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 and a five inning appearance. This isn't someone who um, is expected to go seven innings next year. Though I would be a little intimidated by him because if he does get the the uh, the stretch out and he can go 100 110 pitches this is someone who's going to be able to go six six plus might not strike out the farm you know strike everybody out if he can get like three four strikeouts in six innings i'm okay with that see i i feel very differently than you charlie i feel like no tampa bay ray for the rest of time is ever going to throw more than 80 pitches unless they have to like that's just how they run their organization they pump them in pump them out so this is probably the best version of Rasmussen is this four-inning guy. You probably won't face an order three times through ever while he's with the Rays. Well, Blake Snell was but that type of guy. Blake Snell, and then he just he evolved into a borderline ace. I didn't realize Rasmussen was in the Nelson Cruz trade, so that could have been a really good pickup for, for Tampa. But All right, let's get over into the dud side. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, Job, go ahead. You're dud for the series. I feel really bad making this guy my dud. I think he played very well defensively. He's just not the caliber of player you look for in a major leaguer, and that's Lopez. I think he went 0 for 7. He had four strikeouts. He's a career minor leaguer at 28 years old. He's been around the minors for parts of seven seasons, I believe, six seasons. Um, Solid defense is never going to get a starting job in the big leagues um, for a good reason. He did have one good sack bunt. That was kind of the only upside I saw from him on the offensive side. Um, But he was good turning double plays, so he's my dud, but... He's like number 40 on the depth chart at shortstop, so I, I don't feel too bad uh, for him. Yeah, 0 for 7. Had two strikeouts last night, a strikeout tonight, a nice little bunt. Um, but 0 for 7, three strikeouts. I don't want to waste any time on it. Just there's nothing there. If we could jump in a time machine right now, which I think would be the coolest thing ever, you know, to do that, um, and we could go back just one week, and I said, Job. Your dud next week is going to be Jack Lopez. What would you tell me? What would you tell me? I'll tell you exactly what I put in the chat two days ago. Who the hell is Jack Lopez? Exactly. Uh, I, I, like, the lineup came out, and I, I think I said that in our you know our little war room internal message chat. Who the hell is Jack Lopez? It's like they and made him up. Was he's a Red Sox shortstop. I'm like, what? So Why, Joe, he's your dud. Research. He's yeah, your now, dud. You know, if you guys told me that last week, I would have said, who? And in reality, I mean, the expectations can't be more than this. He's a career minor leaguer. He's never made a start in the big leagues ever in his career for a reason. So the expectations are low, but even one hit from him and he could have been on the stud side. That's kind of how I look at it is this was a razor-thin margin. And the way that Andrew and I talked about this in, in prep for this show before he went out for Charlie is we just needed to survive this outbreak. If you told me two days ago that we were going to get the next two, I would have said, you're nuts. 
Like you're off your rocker. Um, this is the best version of the starting pitching staff in these last two days that we've seen all season. We haven't seen two back-to-back starts like this all year. So I would have said you're crazy, but this this team keeps giving me the reasons to believe. You know, it's like right when I'm out, they reel me back in. It's it's really heartbreaking a little bit. It's almost like they they made up Jack Lopez. They're like, Alex, we need I wonder if that's his real name. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder. Yeah, they had a shirt that said Lopez. Let's put it on him. Put it on him. Ex- exactly. And he's another guy from, from Puerto Rico that um, – Cora must be familiar with. Cora must know his his game. He played good defense, so like, like I said, he's my he's my dud. And like Charlie said, I mean, oh for seven, three strikeouts. That's not what you want from your seven hole hitter in, in this series. Uh, it easily could have been Santana as well on the same note, right? So that's where I'm going to leave it. I think. Thanks for your cup of coffee. I appreciate your shortstop for two days. Uh, I hope I never see you in the Red Sox uniform again. And before we get into Charlie's dud real quick, I was just looking at the box scores. Lopez 0 for 7. Jonathan Arauz 0 for 7. Travis Shaw 0 for 1. Jairo Munoz, before he got COVID, he played the first two games, 1 for 6. So those four players were a combined 1 for 21. Those are all your replacement guys. So all your production came from your existing core that just stepped up while Kike, Arroyo... Bogarts all gone. Well, I'm going to be honest. I th- I think Cora pushed some really good buttons in the last two days. Uh, my my primary example, and, and stop me if I'm stealing anyone's thunder here, is Alex Verdugo, who didn't play tonight, not because of a COVID positive or contact tracing or anything like that. It's because of mistakes he made in yesterday's game. It's a good observation. He made some mistakes in yesterday's game. Uh, he threw the ball to the wrong base. He was seen asking. Uh, Rafael Devers, what what happened to Xander? Like, he just had his head in the clouds when that whole contact tracing thing was going on. Um, That is a situation where the existing players stepped up because Cora really showed him, like, this matters. And I think that's all Chris Sale. Like, Cora pushed the right buttons, he played the right guys, but Chris Sale's intensity when he came out the other day and said, look, everybody shut up, everybody watch me pitch, we're going to get the next one. Like, that changes everything. It changes the dynamic of a team, a season, in a way that quiet guys like Xander Bogarts, they can't do. There's very few leaders like Chris Sale that can get everyone to buy in on a situation. Right? There's a few of them across sports, let alone uh, just baseball. If you look at all sports, I mean, Brady has a 100% vaccination rate on the Bucks. That's not because all players in Tampa Bay want to get the vaccine. It's because Tom Brady said, look, we're going to win, and this is what it takes. Chris Sale said, we're going to win, and it takes you all to be focused, pay attention, and start hitting. Give me some runs, and I'll win this game. And the offense delivered. It was awesome. All right, Charlie, you're dud for the series. Yeah, my dud came out real hot. Game one, Pavetta just got rocked. Um, four earned, five walks, five innings. Nice to see the six strikeouts. They didn't give him any run support, but Pavetta wasn't doing himself any favors. Uh, just did not, did not have it. And, uh, you know, it would have been nice to see Pavetta do 
to Tampa Bay what Nate Evaldi seems to do to the Yankees, which is just flat-out dominate. And Pavetta's kind of had a little bit of a rocky a rocky start. It's his third straight performance, allowing four earned. And I, I didn't tweet this, but I said, oh, my God, I hope it's not four again. And then I was like, damn it, Charles, just sh- shut the hell up. Just shut up. Um, because that's what ended up happening. He He's... He's only won once in his last seven starts. It's it's just, it's like a major falling from grace. You've seen an ERA go from 4.37 to 4.7. So it's not that much of a, 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 a crazy jump. But the team themselves, over Pavetta's month of August, Pavetta won one game. The Red Sox lost five. Pavetta lost three of those five. He just, he's not focused. It just doesn't feel like he had the control. I'm concerned. Um, if he doesn't, if he doesn't figure it out, uh, this was this was a situation where I talk about the guys that I feel good about. Chris Sale, I feel good. Avaldi, I feel good. Pavetta was one of my no goes. Um, whoever the other starter was was another no go, and then. Um, Tanner Houck was the the 50-50 guy. Um, we need Nick Pavetta to win ball games because if Pavetta can't win, we are not going to make the playoffs. We will continue to win two out of five. Well, I think you pretty much said everything there is to say about Nick Pavetta as far as recency goes. I, I do want to, for his sake, put out there, right? Two of those games are against Toronto, who's played him six times this season. And they're one of the most potent offenses in the game. If you face a starter six times, three times through the order, eventually you're going to figure him out. And especially the good hitters that they have in, in Toronto. What I don't like about Nick Pavetta's start is the walks. Five walks is four too many for a five-inning start, in, in my opinion. Walks are one of the things I don't tolerate. He looked like, again, he was nibbling. He wasn't attacking, which is concerning. What really worries me going forward with Nick Pavetta, and I wonder what the two of you think about this, his innings pitched. He's thrown 135 and two-thirds innings, I believe, at this point in the season. His career high is 164 innings. That's about four years ago. And in the last two seasons, you know, 2020, 41 innings. And I believe 2019 was only 93 innings. So he's really at... You know, he's 40 innings above what he's thrown in the last two-plus seasons, almost three seasons at least. And so I wonder if maybe there's a lot of a little bit of fatigue there and a, a lot of concern for me, from me is about whether he can give you five innings every fifth day down the stretch. Because if you have to move Garrett Richards back to the rotation, then all of a sudden everything goes back to panic mode for me. It's concerning, especially because of the lack of workload last year. So he's coming off a year where he didn't pitch a ton because he was optioned off of the big league club pretty early in 2020 and then was ultimately traded to the Red Sox, spent time in Worcester, or at the alternate site, actually, which I think was in Worcester by that point. But um, so he's his innings are high just like a lot of guys are 
But he's given up four earned runs in his last three straight starts. Hasn't looked good. The walks are up, like Charlie said. I I just don't feel good when it's a Nick Pavetta start. I feel like we're going to, if we even have a lead by the time he gets done in the fourth or fifth inning, we're going to blow through some really good relievers and we're going to be in bad shape by the end of the game. So My, my hope is that in the next, five to ten days as Chris Sale starts to get really stretched out and comfortable, we can move Whitlock Day to piggyback Pavetta. Because right now, Whitlock is working behind Chris Sale most most starts, I think three of these four starts, to give us some length. If Chris Sale can start giving you six and two-thirds or six innings flat every time out, and then you piece together a Chris Sale, you know, bullpen day, and then... All of a sudden, it's Pavetta for four, Whitlock for three, and then someone to close. The bullpen looks a lot stronger when you're not using every single guy every night. So I wonder if that's a possibility as Chris Sale gets healthy. It'd be nice if the offense could just put up an eight spot, and then we don't even need the the higher-end guys. I don't know about you, Terry, and and I don't know about you, Charlie, but I hate when the offense puts up 10-plus. Like I hate that because I know that it means the next day the offense is going to be anemic. We're going to we're going to see one run, four hits, and lose two to one. It's like, it's brutal. That is a pattern. So just just yeah. spread the runs out a little bit. Like twenty to two, that's great. But if the next day you're too tired to hit, can we just win twelve to two? Like we don't need to win by by eighteen runs. A win is a win. Spread the runs out a little bit. That twenty run game, I don't even remember who it was against. We followed it up the next night with like almost nothing. <laughs> Against Texas, and that's why we went two for three in Texas. Okay, yeah, Texas then, yeah. That, that, that's been a tough team for us all year, so luckily we're, we're done with that. All right, um, I don't really want to get into many dishonorables. Peacock sucked, Gonsalves sucked, Espinal sucked. Dishonorables is whoever gave Kike COVID. That's the dishonorables. Like, whoever it is that's the source of us having to watch Jack Lopez play short, like, that's... That's the dishonorable mention. That's pretty brutal as well. So I committed a, an egregious error earlier. I was looking at the wrong part of the schedule and thought we had White Sox, Seattle. That's not until the following after, not this week. We still have the two, next two series first. Yes, we have Cleveland next. So um, let me pull that up and we will get right into it. So Sale, I, I was thinking he was going to pitch on Monday against Seattle. That will be against Tampa. So he'll have back-to-back starts against Tampa. But uh, let's go with the Friday start, 7-10 p.m. Cal Quantrill versus Nathan Ivaldi. I like Ivaldi in that one. I hope we can figure out Quantrill. I think he was fantastic against us the last time through. He's one of the better pitchers uh, in Cleveland at the moment with Shane Bieber sidelined. I'm expecting that game to be a, a real grind. Like I think Nate Nivaldi can can get us to the bullpen. Depending on who's available and who's healthy with, with COVID, I think we can win that game. But if it's Nate Nivaldi and then it has to be Hansel and Gretel, then I start to worry. So we'll see. Charlie. I actually have Quantrill winning this one. He's already shown you what he can do against the Red Sox. He's not playing around. Cleveland is not joking around. And they also 
are a team that shouldn't be trifled with. I I feel that this is going to be Quantrill doing what Evaldi does to New York. It's going to be what he does to Boston. So I actually have Cleveland winning by one run, and it's going to be potentially him not getting the win, but I think in the game that he pitches, the Cleveland Indians will still win the game. So Cleveland game, win, wins game one. Well, I'm going to be the homer and stick with Evaldi, but – but Quantrill was impressive over seven innings in the first start. So next we have, I'm pretty sure this is a rematch from the last series, Eli Morgan versus Tanner Houck. I just want to see Houck go five strong innings with a good mix of pitches. We haven't seen that. He's getting uglier and uglier every time. Morgan wasn't great, so we're going to have a chance to win no matter what. But that could be a very sloppy game. Well, Morgan was pretty good through three, and then he kind of fell apart there uh, the second time through the order. But that's somebody we should put up 10 against. Like, that should be a 10 spot. And I think that that's a game you want Jack Lopez in. Like, if you need Jack Lopez to play a game, it's against him because he's a triple-A pitcher. Like that that's my Bobby Dahlbeck will have four or five RBIs in that game because this guy Eli Morgan is not a good pitcher. We're gonna win that one. I I think the Red Sox will win game two. I think they'll win handedly. I have no faith in in Morgan. I think that Tanner Houck is still waiting to have his huge coming out party, and I think this could be the game that Tanner does it. This is just like one of those big surprise games. Um, I hope I don't get blasted on this one, um, but I'd love to see Tanner Houck show up and give us a quality performance no more than three earned runs maybe five six strikeouts coming out and doing god's work against cleveland in game two if we win game one then i want him throwing six innings and that even if he's you know walking guys and doesn't look great i don't want to blow the entire bullpen for the upcoming Tampa series because Tanner Houck can't get outs. Like, I, I'd rather leave him in there to rot for 100 pitches than I would probably lose two of the next three because the bullpen is gassed. I just want to see a good Tanner Houck start. This is a, this Cleveland offense is, is a, you know, an offense that he should pitch well against if he's on. If he's clicking. Oh, if he's on, he should walk Jose Ramirez, and everybody else should be an easy ground ball out. Exactly. So, we'll so ho- hopefully we see it. Uh, next, the finale on Sunday is Zach Plesak, who we did not see in the first series. Kind of a guy I was hoping we would target at the trade deadline, but that was probably setting the bar a little high. But Zach Plesak versus Nick Pavetta. I'm just going to say it. I mean, I, I've got us winning the first two. I got us losing game three. And I'll just say this about Plesak. He's coming off of a strong start against Kansas City. I know they're a last place team, but he went seven innings, two hits. And then his start before that against Texas, who we struggled with all year, five and two thirds. And uh, he only gave up. Uh, two runs on that one. So he's coming off of a couple of good performances. And like I said just a minute ago, I do not feel good when Nick Pavetta is my starting pitcher. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I have the the Cleveland Indians sandwiching this one. I think they're going to win game, uh, games one and three. I think they'll end up losing game two. 
I have a lot more faith in Zach Plesak than I do against Nick Pavetta. Zach Plesak is a gamer, and he's more consistent. Pavetta has been consistently bad the last three starts, allowing four runs. He's not giving you a quality start in the last three uh, three games. Four of his last five performances have been against divisional opponents. He has lost each one of them. So to 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 say that I have faith uh, in Pavetta, that'd be it. Just it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be honest. Um, I misspoke. Excuse me. He didn't lose against Baltimore. That was Baltimore and Toronto. He he pitched well, uh, but he's just been grossly bad the last three um and pavetta needs a get right performance but i think that police acts better i think we win game three and i don't think it's because of nick pavetta i think police act is a very good starting pitcher in this league he would be probably your number three on this team i think he probably slopped in ahead of eduardo rodriguez but if i'm doing my math correctly that day should be the day that we can reactivate Kike Hernandez, Christian Arroyo off the COVID IL. And assuming that some of those close contacts that are currently out for five days at the minimum, which would be Josh Taylor, who I believe has not contracted the virus to this point. He's just a close contact. He would be eligible to return. And then we're nearing the 10 day mark on Matt Barnes, who even though he tested positive has been vaccinated and so can return earlier with two negative COVID tests. I think that'll be the day that we have our roster starting to fill up again. And that could be a huge momentum boost for this team. If we can, you know, either split the first two or take the first two, I don't see how we lose game three. If those guys are starting to come back. I hope you're right, Joe, because two of these games are hard and they're the ones, you know, one in act. Well, they're all hard, really. <laughs> there's there's dynamics in all of them. So um, not one that we can feel super great about, but I just want to continue the trend of not losing series. And this is a three gamer, so we got to win two out of three in order to avoid that. So hopefully... That will be how it plays out. We well, we're gonna need some uh, we're gonna need some Toronto Blue Jays jerseys on this show <laughs> over the next week or so. Uh, Toronto plays the Yankees and the Oakland Athletics in their next two series, so I'll be watching those games as much as I'm watching the Sox this week. They're four either four or four and a half back from us, something like that. So. Uh, all right, so we are going to wrap with this episode. Deep Dives is next. That'll be released 24 hours after this one, so that would make it Saturday morning. So if you're on a weekend road trip, what have you, throw that episode on. We're going to have playoff scenario talk. We're going to get into some high bloom talk, apparently, and uh, should be good. Take care. <laughs>